Hello and welcome to this Endo Life episode 120. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an endo warrior and endo health coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. This podcast is here for educational purposes only and not here to replace your current medical treatment. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's <laughs> the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them I don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU which is buonline.co.uk and you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. Okay, so firstly, I really want to apologise that this is so late in the week. It was supposed to be out on Monday, um, but I was going to, this is a Q&A episode where I'm answering your questions and I wanted to record it live on Instagram and it's just been an insanely busy week. Um, I launched my course, Live and Thrive with Endo and obviously I've never launched a course before and it's just been so busy. So I really, really apologize that it's just getting out to you today. So I'm not going to do a massive intro to this because you, it's a Q&A, so it's all recorded there. But I just wanted to give you a heads up of all the questions that I'm answering. If you submitted me questions, so I put out on Instagram, I asked for questions for this Q&A. If you submitted me questions, then I didn't get through all of them. It was an hour long live, but I, could, I didn't get through all of them. So I'm going to be doing another live next Thursday. So tune in um, I think it's at six o'clock that I'm doing that. So tune in to Instagram and you can watch that live and hopefully I'll get to your question in that one. But just to give you an idea of what we cover, we talk about in this episode, how to deal with nausea and vomiting during ovulation and menstruation. Is milk bad for endo? Tips for managing kissing ovaries, so ovaries that are stuck together. Whether gut motility and digestion can ever return to normal with endo how to inhibit further spread of endo when certain lesions cannot be removed and, you know, how to do that holistically and how to and where to start with the endo diet. So those are the topics and it was a really, really good discussion or I guess less of a discussion and more me talking. I felt like at the speed of lightning because I just wanted to fit so much in, but I hope it was really useful. Um, a lot of people on the live seem to think it was useful. So I hope this is a helpful episode for you. And 
As I mentioned, my course went live this week, so the doors are open to my course Live and Thrive with Endo. In this eight-week course, you will transform the way you manage endometriosis and learn the tools and strategies for reducing your symptoms naturally so you can thrive with endo and get your life back. This course is a step-by-step outline of my exact one-to-one coaching program. It's a roadmap for reducing pain, bloating, fatigue, and brain fog, not to mention all the other symptoms. And it's the most comprehensive and clear resource I offer other than working with me directly. By the end of this program, you will have learned the key contributors to endo development and symptoms and how to lower symptoms and manage the disease, discovered your personal endo triggers, created your own unique and tailored endo nutrition plan, learned the role of hormonal imbalances in endo and created your own hormone balanced food and lifestyle plan, identified areas of gut health that need healing and began your own gut healing regime, improved your energy levels and brain fog, identified which supplements are right for you, created a toolkit for long-term endo management and short-term symptom relief, and learned how to track and sync your food and lifestyle to your menstrual cycle for better periods, reduced symptoms, and hormonal imbalances. There are eight modules. The course is eight weeks, and it starts on February the 1st. And so I'll just give you a quick overview on the modules. Module one is the role of of inflammation and anti-inflammatory nutrition. Module two is blood sugar, endo, and hormones. Number three is endo, the gut, part one. Number four is endo and the gut, part two. Number five is hormones, toxic burden, and the detoxification pathways. Module number six is circadian rhythm, sleep, and HBA axis recovery. Module number seven is structural support and pain signals. And module number eight is hormones and cycles sinking. You also get a couple of bonuses. So you get eight weeks of live Q&A group sessions with me. You get a supplementation for endo module as well. And if you sign up before Tuesday, 8 p.m. GMT, you also get a module on SIBO, um, an overview, tutorial on your testing, tutorial on the types of SIBO and a tutorial on the treatment. And as a thank you for you guys having been here with me for 120 episodes, And because this was supposed to have been released on Monday during the early bird pricing, I am giving you guys a discount code. It's podcast, all caps, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And that code is going to give you uh, 30, I think it's like 33.33% off. So it gives you 50% off taking the price back down to the early bird price. So the course is £150 and you'll get the course for 100 Or if you want to do the um, payment plan, it's three months long and the original price is £52.50 per month and this will be £35 per month with that um, code applied. So the code is podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. The link to the course is in the show notes, um, but you can also get there by going www.thisendolife.com forward slash live dash and dash thrive dash with dash endo. So live and thrive with endo, the course. So dash the dash course. So www.thisendolife.com forward slash live and thrive with endo the course with dashes in between all the words um so 
yeah, I would love to see you there. If this feels like the right course for you, you know, I'd love you to join us. There's already something like 70, 70 people in the group. So it's going to be a really, really wonderful community. There's a Facebook group. You get the option to buddy up with people as well. You're going to get PDFs and handouts and symptom trackers and shopping lists. There's so much to this. I've really put my heart and soul into it. So I really hope that it's something that could, you know, be helpful to you if you feel called to join. And just to remind you that the course closes on Thursday, the 28th of January. So the, sorry, the course doors close on Thursday, 28th of January, 10 p.m. GMT. So that's London time. And the course starts on February the 1st. So you can use that podcast code up until the doors close unless I put on a flash sale. You won't be able to apply it to, you know, something that has a flash sale. It's just to the full pricing that you'll be able to apply that code to. And you can get that bonus, that SIBO bonus, if you sign up before Tuesday, 8 p.m. So yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to email me. There's a really deep dive into the course on the sales page. You get to read all about the modules. So um, please do have a read and reach out if you have any questions. I hope to see you in there. So now I will leave you to the Q&A. If anyone has extra questions that come up, I'm going to like go for probably an hour tops um, because otherwise it's going to be a really long podcast and I've actually been on a workshop this morning uh, leading a workshop that was two hours so I've got a really sore throat so I'm probably not going to go on for more than an hour I think Instagram cuts us off about that point anyway Um, and then this will be recorded for a podcast so you guys can hear it on there if you want to go over it again but um save if you have any other questions save them and I'll try and get to them at the end if we've got time if you hear a question that's relevant to what you're going through you know jump in and um throw it in and I'll try and answer at the same time um so before we start I just want to say that this is general advice unless I'm working on unless I'm working with you guys one-on-one um as a client or if you know if you're part of my course that's out at the moment um jack <laughs> jack why are you here <laughs> this is not for you um okay last time i did a live my brother came on the call and now jack's coming on the call but hi jack it's nice to see you well to see you're here um so <laughs> um if i you know Anything in regards to taking supplements, consult with your general practitioner first. Uh, Make sure you read the labels. Um, Everything that I'm sharing is general advice. I can't give you tailored specific information legally unless, you know, I'm working with you one-on-one or you're part of my course that's out at the moment. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that. So there's quite a lot of crossover with a lot of these questions. Um... So I'll kind of let you guys know when that's happening and then tell you to refer back to certain questions. So we'll start with how to deal with nausea and vomiting in the menstrual cycle, um, in the menstrual cycle when someone's on their period, I think is what they're saying. So firstly, ginger is a wonderful kind of anti-nausea uh, spice or herb. Um, so you can take up to two grams of ginger a day safely. Um, 
I would probably split that in doses. You could, you know, you could definitely have ginger tea. It might not be strong enough. It would certainly help, I would imagine, but uh, my clients find it really helpful. But um, the kind of ginger supplements might be stronger for you. Um, so you can take up to two grams a day safely. I would do it again in doses, follow the supplement, the label recommendation for that. You could also try a prokinetic formula. So prokinetics are um, supplements, they can be pharmaceutical drugs as well, that basically stimulate the migrating motor complex. So that is the movement in your small intestine that moves anything that like any old food, any old bacteria, once foods pass through, it sort of cleans up the small intestine and moves any bacteria, moves any um, uh, old food into the large intestine. And so we use it uh, post SIBO treatment to prevent SIBO from coming back, but you can also use it um, during the day. So for SIBO, we take it at night, but um, for nausea and symptoms like IBS symptoms, you can take it during the day. So have a look at prokinetic formulas, supplementation formulas. Um, most of them will contain ginger and follow the label dose for using them for symptom reduction. So some of the brands are um, Integrative Therapeutics. Uh, what are they called? Priority One, In vivo. they all do. And I think it's called like priority one is called I think it's just called MMC um in vivo one is called biome kinetic um integrative therapeutics I think it's just called motility so you can check those out uh now if you want more information on kind of managing nausea I would really recommend going to um seboinfo.com not not because you may or may not have SIBO, but because Dr. Alison Seebecker has a handout in there if you go to the resources section. And in there, she has a handout on loads of different supplements and kind of strategies for managing IBS symptoms. Really, really helpful. Um, but ginger is a really big one. I would take electrolytes to rehydrate you during this time because you're probably going to be losing a lot of nutrients and salts. Um, and cinnamon. So cinnamon has been shown in studies um, to alleviate heavy menstrual bleeding, uh, nausea, vomiting and pain when taken at the beginning of the menstrual cycle. So at the beginning of menstruation, so day one. And it was shown in the study at, to be effective at 420 milligrams three times a day. So you can have a look at that study. If you just type in like cinnamon painful periods, the study will come up. Um, have a look at that study. If you're going to take a cinnamon supplement, if you're going to take a ginger supplement, if you're going to take a prokinetic, please just talk to your general practitioner first, just run it past them. Um, so that's something that I wanted to mention. And then just checking, um, I've written some notes for this. So yeah so it could this could be you know of course it could be down to your pain but i was wondering what your this is kieran who wrote this in so i was just wondering what your symptoms are like for the rest of the month like do you have any nausea do you have any bloating do you have any constipation or diarrhea because sorry i've got um hair in my eye because if you 
do, this could be a sign of small intestine bacterial overgrowth, which is a um, condition, uh, condition that occurs in the small intestine where bacteria that shouldn't be there are there. They should be living in the large intestine, but they're in the small intestine. And it causes us a lot of problems, a lot of problems with digestion, brain fog, fatigue, histamine intolerance. It's, it's, it's a big problem. And it's been estimated by research that up to 80% of people with endo have SIBO. So just have a think about that. If you don't know much about SIBO, I've got tons of articles about it and I've got tons of podcasts. So go to my Understanding the Endo Belly series and then episode three of that series, I move into SIBO and then from then on I do like various SIBO episodes. So just, um, yeah, just check those out. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that it could be a histamine reaction. So histamine rises before and during our period is part of the inflammatory reaction that happens during our period. And so when we have too much histamine in our body, it creates symptoms like vomiting, headaches, uh, nausea, dizziness, hives, itchiness. Um, <laughs> sorry, I live by the sea and a seagull just landed on my wall with a newspaper in his mouth. <laughs> um, really strong seagull, apparently. Um, so you could try a natural antihistamine like quercetin before your period and see, see if that helps. Um, or you could try like a natural antihistamine formula like, um, Hysta-X or Hysta-Relief. Um, but I would also investigate that, look further into it. Um, you know, can be difficult to get histamine conditions diagnosed by conventional, like, medicine standards so you might need to see a functional practitioner or a coach um you can do a histamine elimination diet to see whether your symptoms improve so i would recommend if you really if you want to learn more about histamine i've got about three episodes on allergies and histamines and when i say allergies i'm talking about reactions like vomiting and nausea too um so have a listen to those episodes but also Dr. Becky Campbell is really just the best for histamine um, content. So have a look at her Instagram page and then um, have a look at her Instagram page. And then she's got a book called The Four Phase Histamine Reset Plan. So if you want to take yourself through histamine, like a kind of antihistamine protocol and see whether you are reacting, you can follow that. Um, or of course, you know, work with a practitioner work with a coach um so i'm going to come back to questions at the end so i'm just going to get through the submitted questions um so i don't polo 06 i have no idea if i'm saying that right um so i'm going to get back to those questions towards towards the end i just want to get through these pre-submitted ones um and then yeah save save them and i'll come back to those so i hope that was helpful kieran um kieran you had another question so is milk bad for endo so milk isn't categorically bad you know for everyone with endo but it is notorious for inflammation and affecting periods causing pms heavy periods painful periods so firstly we know that endo thrives off estrogen. So estrogen feeds endo, it's a, it's a driver. 
um, not in every single endo cell, but in most of them. And we know that conventional dairy products and conventional meat products have been exposed to lots of hormones, especially dairy, because it helps them to continue to produce milk. So as a result, when we're drinking conventional milks and non-organic milk or eating non-organic dairy products, we're exposing ourselves to higher levels of these hormones that can then have an effect on our endo and our hormones ourselves. So that's that's one thing. Libby, if you can just, um, I'm going to get to question like, live questions towards the end. I'm just going to go through these pre-submitted questions and then get back to you. But yes, there is a link between nutritional deficiencies and endo. Um, so I will get back to you on that one. Okay. Um, so then the other thing we know of cows, well, with cow's dairy is that cow's dairy is high in a protein called A1 casein. Now, this is why a lot of people react to cow's dairy because of this protein and it creates an inflammatory reaction in the body and then as a result we can have worsening period pain because what's causing pain is inflammation and so that's natural and normal amounts in the healthy normal temporary amounts of inflammation is fine it's a normal reaction we're supposed to have it it's part of the immune system when we're healing but if we have too much inflammation, if we have like chronic inflammation, then what happens is we then get more pain. Because if you think about, say you bang your knee, you cut your knee, the area swells and inflames, that's in inflammation and you get pain from that. And it's basically your brain is telling you like, look, pay attention, something's wrong here. So if you have too much inflammation in your body, you then end up having more painful periods because inflammatory chemicals like prostaglandins and histamines are released when you have your period. It is part of the process, but what we don't want is like really crazy high levels because then that's when we're going to get those really bad cramps and that really bad pain because we've got too much. The, the inflammatory prostaglandins and histamines are part of having a period. You know, they help the contractions and the shedding of the uterine lining, but they shouldn't be in such high levels that we feel pain. So, you know, the period pain is not normal and we can do a lot to prevent it. And then with endometriosis, we can, you know, there's so many strategies we can do to lower chronic inflammation. And the problem with endo is that it's an inflammatory disease. So the more that we fuel that inflammation, the worse our symptoms are going to be. So as I said, like drinking the dairy, uh, cow's dairy might cause you problems if you're sensitive to A1 casein and if you're drinking non-organic milk or you're eating non-organic dairy. However, sheep's milk and goat's milk has um, a different type of this protein called A2 casein and most people are less reactive to that. So you might do okay on A2 um, type dairy, organic sources, but the best way to work out whether you're reacting to dairy is to do an elimination phase. So you might eliminate the most common allergens or, you know, you just want to do a month without dairy and then see how you feel. And then one by one, introduce the different types of dairy to see how you react. So the way that you would introduce with an elimination phase is you would do three days on a food and then four days off to see what the 
delayed reaction is because a lot of the times intolerances surface a couple of days later, like the signs of them surface a couple of days later. So you would, for example, have a month without the dairy, then on, and then week one of introduction, you do um, three days on sheep's milk. Then you take four days off and see if you have any reactions and you wait. And then if you're fine, you can add that sheep's milk back in. Then you add goat's milk. If you're fine, add that back in, you know? If you then try cows and you react, then you need to wait for the reactions to completely calm down to um, before you introduce anything else. But if you do react, if you have any symptoms of inflammation, if you have pain, if you have headaches, if you feel sick, if you have rashes, if you have achy joints, then you know, very high chance that you're not digesting it very well and you're intolerant to it. So I hope that helps. Again, this isn't tailored advice, this is general advice. So, you know, consult with a practitioner before you make uh, before you make these changes or, or, you know, at least read a patient book or take, you know, a patient course or something like that. Okay, so uh, what would Jen eat? So Jen, I'm not a surgeon. Okay, hang on. Let me just pull up your question so I can read it to everyone. Okay. Okay, what are some tips uh, for helping to heal kiss and ovaries? Okay, so that's Jen's question. Okay, so Jen, I'm not a surgeon, so I don't kind of deal with the separation of um, organs. But what I can say is good visceral manipulation therapy could help you here. Um, now, visceral manipulation is a type of massage that breaks down adhesions, um, especially in the abdominal and pelvic cavities. So I would really recommend looking into that. Clear Passage is one that's got loads of research behind it for endometriosis um, and infertility, if that's of interest to you. And then uh, Mercier therapy is also another one that's for gynae conditions. Um, and you can just see a visceral manipulation therapist. There are plenty of them. You don't have to um, go with one who's trained in Mercier therapy or Clear Passage because Clear Passage is super expensive. But if you've got the money, it's totally worth it because there's so much research behind it, but it is really expensive. Um, just make sure if you go with a general visceral manipulation therapist that they know endo and that they work on people with endo. So that's something I would say. Um, and then I would also look at reducing your inflammation, um, balancing your hormones, and then trying specific supplements that have been shown to target endometriosis lesions and growth and slow them down and even shrink them. So the reason why I'm saying lower your inflammation is because we know that inflammatory chemicals, uh, specifically prostaglandin E2, drives, is really like the key driver alongside estrogen um, of endometriosis growth. Um, 
in multiple ways it helps the endometriosis develop in the first place and helps to continue accelerating the growth so the more inflamed we are the more the chances are that the endo is being fed so as a result we want to kind of keep our inflammation levels down as much as possible of course we want our hormones to be balanced because we know that estrogen is a driver of endometriosis as well so in that case um I would want to keep, you know, keep your hormones balanced, balance your blood sugar, manage your stress levels, make sure that you're having a daily bowel movement, um, make sure your gut health is in good shape so that you're having balanced hormones. So I'm going to get into that a little bit more in some future questions as well. And I've got loads of ep episodes on this too. So if you want to learn more about balancing your hormones, I've got recent ones talking about estrogen dominance, so definitely go and have a listen to those. And then uh, fish oil, NAC, curcumin, I'm going to get into this in a minute, but um, those have all been shown in um, animal studies and in vitro that they can target endometriosis and reduce the growth rate, reduce the size of lesions. And NAC actually has been shown in humans to not just reduce endometriomas, but for some completely eradicate the endometriomas and the people have um, not needed to have their uh, surgery. Okay, so Francis, so I think your question was like, can gut motility ever get back to normal with endo or does endo damage the gut permanently? So it really depends on the cause of what's going on with your gut in the first place. Um, so... With gut motility, for anyone who doesn't know what gut motility is, so you have something called the migrating motor complex. And the migrating motor complex is a movement in your small intestine that, hi everyone, is a movement in your small intestine that is like a kind of wave sensation. And it moves food and bacteria from the small intestine to the large intestine it actually occurs after the food has passed through it just kind of clear, clears away like any leftover bits and pieces it's it's not the actual action of the entire amount of food transition into the large intestine um and so what can happen is if the nerves and the muscles of your small intestine are damaged these specific um nerves they're called um they've got a really weird name something of kohol can't remember the first part, but it's a very weird name. If they are damaged, then you may need support with your migrating motor complex in the future. Now, what I would kind of suggest you work on first is getting visceral manipulation and basically working on any adhesions that might be around the gut, clearing that, freeing up your pelvic pelvis and your abdominal cavity because your, your small intestine is kind of like from, you know, here all the way down, like down towards your like pelvis. It's basically like the, the uterus and the bladder is just kind of like under the, under the intestines. So have some work around visceral manipulation to free up that area and that's going to you know help to improve the flow of things then if you've got anything going on your in your gut then we really need to address that because we know that 
small intestine bacterial overgrowth is really common with people with endometriosis. 80% of us are estimated to have SIBO. SIBO often comes alongside things like candida um, and gut bacterial imbalances. So we really want to address your gut and heal that as well. It's not just a case of like, you know, having an excision surgery and then hoping the gut's going to be okay. We need to look at what's going on in the gut and heal that. Um, so I would have a look into gut healing protocols and, you know, of course my courses at the moment live and thrive with endo. So of course, you know, we go through, we have two modules on gut health and healing protocols. So you'd be welcome to join that. And there's a bonus module out at the moment. Um, if you sign up before Tuesday, which is a whole introduction to SIBO and treatment and the protocols. So that could help. Um, I also have Understanding the Endo Belly series on my podcast, which takes you through understanding repairing your gut health. So you can have a listen to that. Um, and so, and then after you've done any treatment, then there may be kind of a stage of repairing. So replenishing your gut health, you know, it might be adding in like certain level plant foods, certain levels of fiber, prebiotic, probiotics, um, and maybe even extra supplements to repair the gut lining because most of us will have leaky gut um, because we know that leaky gut occurs when we have chronic fatigue, chronic stress, chronic pain. So leaky gut is just like lots of little holes in your gut lining, which causes inflammatory reactions um, and problems with our digestion and just our gut health overall and can cause things like brain fog, fatigue, uh, achy joints, inflammation. And so those would say that's where I would start. Now, if you're, um, if your nerves and your muscles are damaged, I don't know whether endometriosis could damage those muscles specifically, but what can damage them is food poisoning and gastroenteritis. And so there is a test that you can do. What happens is you have, you get food poisoning or gastroenteritis and the toxins that are released from that actually damage these cells that are responsible for the migrating motor complex so you can test um you can get tested to see whether you have these toxins in your bloodstream and it doesn't matter how long ago you had it you can still get this test so the test is on um SIBO info.com yeah um so just go to testing and it talks about it there so you can get that blood test and if that is there then the likeness is is that your migrating motor complex will need a little bit more support because it's just kind of a bit impaired from that damage and in that case um you could take prokinetics and that would just be like taking this capsules of ginger or some other prokinetics in the evening to stimulate the migrating motor complex whilst you sleep to make sure you don't get any bad bacteria building up and things are moving through, okay? So I don't recommend, you know, doing that lightly. I would work with a practitioner or read a book or on SIBO or read a book on gut repair before you kind of go down taking prokinetics every day. Um, but certainly you can definitely start with the fistful manipulation, um, the repairing of your gut health through, you know, very standard protocols that everyone can do for gut healing. And then of course you could test yourself, get tested for SIBO, candida, any of those other things. So you would be looking for a SIBO test or a GI map. Um, and like I said, 
you can listen to my podcast or um, I take you guys through that in my new course, Live and Thrive with Endo. So hopefully, Francis, that helps. But it is possible to have normal uh, normal gut health, but um, it may require some work first. Okay, I hope that was helpful, Francis. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. This episode is sponsored by my new free download, Natural Pain Relief Toolkit for Endometriosis. This four-page guide includes herbal remedies and teas that are in your cupboards already, safe pain relieving supplements, essential oils for self-massage, and much more. There's a method for everyone, whatever your taste and your budget. Some of the options literally range from 40p to £10, so there is a range of things to support you. And the chances are that you're going to have some of these in your house already. So I'm hoping that this is a really accessible toolkit for you to get started. You know how I work. I like to make changes from our foundations of health, you know, nutrition, lifestyle. It's not about slapping on a load of like pain relief and supplements um, and kind of masking the symptoms. But sometimes we need a bit of help to get out the pain so we can actually begin to make some changes and feel better and these are the strategies that i use with my clients when they're stuck in the in a rut they don't have the energy um and they're having too much pain to actually be able to take the first step forward so we just want to ease those symptoms get them out of pain so we can begin this coaching journey together so i'm hoping that if you're at this moment struggling to see the woods for the trees and get through some of your current pain that these methods are going to help you. To get your copy, go to the link in my show notes or just go directly to my website and the link is on the homepage. Okay, so um, I can't remember who this is from. Oh, actually, no, I don't have a name. That's why. Um... I think it was girl finding fire. So how to inhibit further spread when endo can't be removed. So firstly, I go back to the lifestyle changes that I was mentioning, lifestyle nutrition changes that I was mentioning. We know that inflammation is driving endometriosis growth and development. So lowering our inflammation levels overall so we can inhibit that growth rate. Um, so we know, you know, key drivers of chronic inflammation are an anti- uh, inflammatory diet. And I'm going to talk about that in someone else's question. Um, and then uh, smoking, drinking, lack of exercise, lack of sleep, chronic stress, chronic underlying infections. So maybe SIBO, gum infections that you don't know are there, that kind of thing. Um, I feel like there's one more that I'm missing. I can't think, oh, like exposure to toxins, mold, uh, pollution, that kind of thing. Um, so to lower your inflammation, it's those kind of healthy lifestyle changes that we've all been told about, uh, with an anti-inflammatory diet, it's a bit more specific than like a, a healthy diet, um, but I'm going to get into that. But um, 
you know, anti-inflammatory nutrition, regular exercise that feels good for your body and isn't going to be damaging you with endometriosis, uh, with, with your pelvic pain. Um, good sleep, at least, at least seven and a half to eight hours, guys. Anything less has been shown to raise inflammation levels, cause hormonal problems, a whole host of things, raise pain signals. Um, and then... Uh, obviously, if you're smoking um, heavily or, or drinking heavily, trying to curb those. Um, regular exercise. Oh, not sitting down at a desk for a really long time. That's been shown to raise inflammation. So kind of getting up and down throughout the day. And if you've got any chronic gut health infections, anything that's underlying, getting those addressed and treated. If you're living in a house with mould, getting that looked at and treated, um, just kind of removing yourself from any of those things that are going to be triggering your immune system to make inflammation. So um, that's where I would start basically looking at what you can do to lower inflammation in your, oh, managing stress, of course. So um, yoga, meditation, breath work, walking, being in nature have also all been shown to lower cortisol levels and as a result, inflammation because the stress response triggers inflammation. So lower inflammation because that's going to lower um, the chances of endometriosis being fed. Manage, the, manage your hormones, as I was mentioning earlier. So one of the key ways we can do that is balance blood sugar. And so if you want to learn a bit more about that, then I've got a whole episode on balancing your blood sugar. It's called, um, it's a bit of a weird name because it was alive. So it's something like beat fatigue, lower inflammation and pain with a blood sugar balance in breakfast. So um, that's the one where I take you through blood sugar. And also listen to my episode with Megan Hallett and Nicole Jardim because we talk about Jardim. I always say Jardim, I don't know why. Um, so we talk about blood sugar in those. So definitely have a listen to them. And then in terms of kind of targeting the endometriosis specifically, there are supplements that have been shown to target the endometriosis, uh, slow down growth, even reverse the size of endometriosis lesions and endometriomas. Now, a lot of them are um, studies that have been done in labs on endometriosis cells. So they've isolated endo cells and tested them or in, um, animals there are ones that have been done on, on people though so we've got really promising results and it's just about working with what we've got in terms of studies and hopefully there will be more on on humans but curcumin um has been shown to reduce growth the growth of lesions um by basically it slows down the growth by inhibiting um, estrogen inside the endo cells and that slows it down. So um, 500 milligrams to 1000 milligrams of curcumin um, is a really good dose for endo. Um, you can definitely talk to your practitioner before you start taking um, any supplements. Fish oil has been shown in early studies um, to be effective in reducing the size of lesions and the growth rate. A uh, thousand milligrams to three thousand milligrams a day is a good amount. Um, these are all kind of therapeutic doses, guys. They're like fairly high, but that's because we're, you know, we're targeting something. It's it's not sort of general maintenance supplements. Um, if you want references, you can find these studies. But on top of that. Um, I talk about this in, I'm going to talk about all of the doses and the safety and stuff in my 
uh, course, Live and Thrive with Endo, and also you can get it in Dr. Jessica Drummond's book. Um, I think Nicole Jardim has a couple of these in her book too. Resveratrol also has been shown to slow down the growth rate, uh, reduce the size, um, so that's great. There seems to be a debate around resveratrol and its effectiveness. I don't really know why, um, but there, well, I say debate, I've heard, I've heard one kind of conventional uh, professional not be a fan and, and kind of, I don't know, promote more painkillers. Um, NAC is one that's been shown in studies on people to actually reduce the size of endometriomas so much um, so that endometriomas have gone um, and people have cancelled their operations because they didn't need them anymore, which was amazing. And then quercetin is also another one which has been shown to um, reduce growth rate and the size. So quercetin is a really good one as well because it's a natural antihistamine. So if you have suspicions that you might have histamine reactions that I've mentioned um, earlier, then you might find that useful. Okay, we've got a uh, question from Katie. Sorry, my throat is getting really sore because I was on a call for two hours. This morning, doing a workshop. Um, and now I have a really sore throat. Um, so, Katie, tips for nausea around period and ovulation. So, I kind of, this is very similar to the one earlier. So, I'm just going to add a little bit more. Sounds like this might be a histamine reaction because when estrogen rises, histamine rises as well. And then when histamine rises, estrogen rises as well. So histamine is an immune response. It's a reaction to, you know, allergens, but it also serves a lot of roles and functions in the body. So it's involved in the process of ovulation and menstruation. So it's going to rise naturally at this point. However, Oestrogen also rises at ovulation, right? We need that oestrogen peak in order to ovulate. And then oestrogen has a quick surge just before your period. And then it drops back down completely. And then you have your period when, you're, when your hormones totally drop. And so with these surges, if you've got really high levels of oestrogen, because you've got excess oestrogen going on, which, you know, is a really common hormonal imbalance for many of us, especially with endo, excuse me, then what can happen is you then end up getting histamine flares. And on top of this, what we know is that people with endometriosis, they have higher levels of histamine because endo releases histamines from the lesions. Wonderful, great. And we often have gut health problems too, and then that impairs our ability to break down histamines in the gut as well. So, you know, if you're having reactions when you're ovulating, so nausea or vomiting around your period and ovulation, then I would question whether histamine is involved. Maybe look into that. I recommended uh, Dr. Becky Campbell um, earlier so definitely check out her Instagram and um, oh, I'm really pleased check out her Instagram um, and check out her book the four phase histamine plan or work with a practitioner um, I've worked with lots of um, clients with histamine problems or do a course um, 
And I'm just having a quick think if there's anything else I would recommend. Yeah, actually, so try food. Oh, okay, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, try food that won't give your stomach too much work to do. So you might be better if you're feeling nauseous. Now, it depends on what, like, we all have different kind of, you know, when we feel sick, we all have different things that turn our stomach. So it really depends on what is going to turn your stomach. But I would just go for really easy to digest food. So you might find that um, eating really fibery foods is not great for you that day. Um, I don't get endo pain anymore because it's, you know, it's under control, but it I have to control it. So I eat an anti-inflammatory diet all all month long and you know I have good hormones good cycle and I can have a pain-free period if I eat something that's high fiber on my period or high starch then my pain starts even though I've done everything else right and as I'm my theory here is that because I have small intestine bacterial overgrowth if I eat fiber or starch they eat and well, I mean, the starch is going to raise blood sugar. So that's that's a whole other subject. So that can the spike pain. But in terms of fibre, so like fibrous veggies, for example, if I eat um, fibrous veggies, the SIBO gets fed. And then what that does is the SIBO starts releasing its gases. My immune system reacts with inflammation. And prostaglandins are that inflammatory reaction of prostaglandin E2 being released as a result of inf um, as a result of inflammation is quite a fleeting response. It, it doesn't last very long. They sort of get released, do their job, and go away. And what I have noticed is it's it's so interesting. I can have like a smoothie that I've made with like no, I haven't. There's no sugar in it. It's a veg smoothie. I have a sip on my period and then I'll get like a sudden flare of pain. It's not, you know, it's not crazy bad pain, but I'm used to not having pain. It's like, you know, one, two, three on the pain scale. Yeah, I'd been no pain at all. And then within minutes, that goes away. Then I'll leave it and be like, okay, I'm just going to see how I'm doing and I'm fine. No pain. Then I have another sip of smoothie and it starts again. So my feeling is, at least with this, because my inflammation is so under control now, now you know, I eat an anti-inflammatory diet, uh, manage my blood sugar, etc. But I still have SIBO that previously I couldn't work out why. Like, well, why do I have to? So what I do on my period is I eat, um, help, I eat a diet high in healthy fats and protein. Um, like day one and two um, and I and low starch low fiber veggies that's the best to me on my period now you're going to have to work out what works for you but that's what I find kind of what's happening is it's irritating my gut and I'm just having a very brief brief little pain flare but for me um, it's just a bit it, it's unusual because I wouldn't I'm gonna plant-based diets are absolutely fine this is if you have SIBO. And then if you have SIBO, then you would need to look into diets that are going to be suitable for, for SIBO. So um, don't, I don't eat animal protein, so I don't, I'm not eating animal protein on my period. Um, but I wouldn't. So this is, like I said at the beginning, this is like 
general inflammation rather than specific tailored inflammation. So don't start avoiding fiber and veggies, but I'm just kind of giving you an example that certain things might flare you up. So go for things that are easy on your digestion. That's going to be helpful. So you don't get this kind of, you know, flare up. If you find that you're feeling really sick, what's going to kind of aggravate your, your gut more. Um, and then anything really well cooked. So well cooked veggies, soup, roasted, you know, things that are well cooked. So it doesn't, it's not hard for you to digest. I think it's going to make, uh, it's going to help there. Peppermint tea, if you're getting bloating, uh, Katie, yeah, Katie. And um, as I mentioned, the cinnamon and the ginger. Um, okay, Izzy, let me just check because I haven't written down your question. I've just written down my answer, but I want to read your question so that everyone knows what I'm answering. Okay, so you've just been diagnosed with adenomyosis alongside endo, any advice? Okay, so, um, wait, no, that's not Izzy. Let me just have another look. Endo diet, how and where to start? Okay, that was Izzy's question. Okay, Izzy, so, um, firstly, get my book. Um, you can get it for free. If you go to the link in my bio, I literally have a free copy there. Um, it's, oh, I actually have... Um, I don't normally have a copy. I was just looking up something earlier. So um, this is my book. You can barely see it in the slide, but it's This Endo Life. Um, it starts at breakfast and you can get a free um, digital copy in the link in my bio. Um, so that literally is a nutrition guide for managing endo. This seagull is back, guys. He doesn't have a newspaper right now, but he has something. It's kind of concerning. Um, he's really big and mean looking. So yeah, so the first half of my book, sorry guys, I just had a phone call come up and it like paused the like, can you, are you still with me? Just can someone give me a thumbs up to say, to show me that I'm still, that you can still see me. I think so. I'm getting people join. So I think you guys can all still see me. Great. Thank you. Um, so, um, yeah. So in terms of, yeah, the first half is nutrition guide and then the second half is recipes. But in terms of the endo diet, there's no one size fits all endo diet because it's, you know, we're taking an anti-inflammatory approach because we know that inflammation feeds endo. We're also taking a hormone balancing approach because we know that estrogen um, feeds endo in most cases it feeds endo so we we're trying to establish a balance between hormones so you don't have excess estrogen okay so but inflammation is really personal so if you have a um an intolerance to something just like for example i'm trying to think of a really random thing that i can't eat i mean there's loads of random things that i can't eat um tomatoes right for example if you can't eat tomatoes they will be inflammatory for you if you're allergic to tomatoes you're intolerant to tomatoes those are going to be inflammatory for you so that's why it's a personalized approach does that make sense like you couldn't i couldn't give a complete whole guide that's going to be perfect for you however there are kind of themes 
that make an anti-inflammatory diet. And the most studied anti-inflammatory diet for chronic pain conditions and inflammatory conditions is the Mediterranean diet. And there are also, you know, the vegetarian diet, vegan diet, paleo diet, they can all be anti-inflammatory guys, as long as they are rich in good nutrients. Because of course, right, you can be on a vegan diet and just eat a load of processed soy and loads of refined carbohydrates and that's going to be really inflammatory so just because you're cutting certain things out doesn't just make that diet anti-inflammatory does that make sense so the themes that they found like kind of the standout themes from the diets that they've studied that are most anti-inflammatory and that you know the mediterranean diet that's one of the most anti-inflammatory or the most anti-inflammatory really is leading with plants so leading with vegetables and leading with fruit um vegetables mainly so we're looking at eight portions of veg a day two portions of ideally low uh gi fruits um so like lots of berries um apples pears that kind of thing lots of color for your veggies lots of variation with veggies um and then clean organic protein sources now mediterranean diet they lean more towards plant protein sources like lentils and beans um i have a whole jungle going on outside now there's a cat that i've never seen before there are lots of things happening um and they tend to have about four portions of fish they eat a diet high a lot you know a lot of fish um so safety wise because of mercury two portions of fatty fish and two portions of like white fish and shellfish. So one of each. Um, and then small to moderate portions of organic pasture raised red meat and poultry. So small amounts of those, um, you know, one, one to two portions. That's kind of the general guidance that I go along there's there's still debate around red meat and endometriosis. Um, the studies that have been out are observational. So what that means is it's not like proven direct correlation that red meat exasperates endometriosis, but actually that a diet high in red meat and specifically it was two portions of red meat and more a day um, increase the risk of endometriosis but these people also eating diets high in trans fat um a lot of them were now guys i'm not sizes in any way but a lot of them were overweight and unfortunately fat cells hold estrogen so obviously we know and then they release it into the body so if someone had you know someone was overweight then it would be releasing more estrogen so that was part of that study um and so there was a lot of factors and what they didn't look at was what were the sources of meat so were the meat was the meat from conventional farms where they are pumping the animals with hormones feeding them really high inflammatory diets full of um inflammatory processed grains um or were they eating lots of grass and they were rich in omega-3 were the animals in stressful situations because if the animals were in stressful situations that releases inflammatory chemicals into their body and then we eat the inflammatory chemicals and we get more inflammation right so were the animals free range were they cared for properly 
or were they factory farmed animals? So what the kind of um, most, um, what most specialists now lean towards from the research is that actually it's not necessarily the red meat that's um, a problem, but actually that the sources of the red meat and the sources of the poultry, because poultry was associated uh, too. I know, yeah, I don't talk about it too much with the fat cells and estrogen because I worry about how it will come across. But it is really interesting and I feel like if I don't talk about it, then I'm sort of doing a disservice by not talking about it, you know? Like, I would assume that everyone would want to know what the risk factors are, but then I also don't want to seem like, I don't want to offend anyone. So, um, you know, we can all be healthy at different sizes, but it's just, you know, we just know that fat cells do increase um, estrogen. So it's, what we're looking for is small to moderate portions of animal protein, because we there are so many nutrients in animal protein that we can't get, like that we can't always easily easily absorb from plants, like heme iron, B12, um, zinc are more easily absorbed from plants. Certain vit, uh, type of vitamin A is better absorbed from animals as well. So it can be problematic. Some people really thrive on a totally vegan diet, but for some of us, it can be problematic. Now guys, just to be clear, I've been vegan for seven years. So, I'm not like fighting one way or another. Um, but some people don't do well, especially women on vegan diets because our hormones need some of those nutrients um, to make, you know, healthy hormones and to thrive. And if we, if you're suffering with fatigue, um, you know, consider your iron levels there. Um, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So small to moderate, what they found is kind of under one serving of red meat wasn't associated with a higher risk in endometriosis. So my kind of approach is if a client wants to eat red meat, then keep it to small, moderate amounts, like one to two portions, so they're getting all of those beautiful health benefits, but they're going for wild, they're going for organic, um, you know, they're going for maybe wild venison or pasture-raised grass-fed free-range beef. Um, and they're having it in small quantities um, because then you're getting the nutrients that you need um, and also you're making sure you're not getting all of those horrible like like um, inflammatory fats um, that are associated with animals raised on lots of grain and corn and soy. Um, so that's one part. So just to recap, because I went on a bit of a tangent there, lead with plants and vegetables. So like 75% of the diet is, you know, veg, fruit, plant foods then organic clean uh animal meats or plant-based sources like beans um nuts and seeds beautiful lots of beans and nuts and seeds lentils great um really anti-inflammatory and then healthy fats healthy anti-inflammatory fats like olive oil avocado coconut oil eggs uh, organic again and pasteurized eggs because we want to avoid those hormones um and the um too high levels of omega-6 and um other sources nut butters nuts seeds um avocado oil that kind of thing fatty fish um and definitely fatty fish are going to be wonderful anti-inflammatory support if you eat fish and then whole grains if whole grains 
agree with you. So some people do really well on gluten-free whole grains and some people don't do very well. Now I'm saying gluten-free because many people with endometriosis don't do too well on gluten. Um, that's kind of another bit that I'll get to um, if we get a chance. But if I don't get a chance to reach, get to that, um, you don't have to give up gluten if you don't want to, but have a listen because everyone's different. You might be fine on gluten, but have a listen to my episode on gluten and endo. Um, so anyway, um, whole grains, so gluten-free whole grains, some people do really well with them, some people don't. So you need to kind of work out what your tolerance level is for those. And then balancing your blood sugar. Also guys, lots of herbs and spices because they are packed full of um, anti-inflammatory nutrients. So they're, so they're wonderful. And then balance your blood sugar. So to balance your blood sugar, because when you have a spike in your blood sugar, when you have lots of sugar being released into your blood, that's when inflammation rises and that's when estrogen dominance occurs as well. So we want to keep our blood sugar balanced. And the way to do that, if you're creating a meal, is to have half your plate is veg and especially leafy greens, low starch leafy greens and low starch veg quarter of your plate is, I'm drawing this out on the table in front of me, if you're wondering why I'm looking down, quarter of the plate is protein. And then that final quarter, the final 25, 25% is split between healthy fats and complex carbohydrates. So that might look like a little bit of sweet potato. And then we're aiming for about two tablespoons, two golf size, golf ball sizes of fat. So it might be um, half a small avocado or, you know, a third of an avocado. It might be a tablespoon of olive oil and a tablespoon, tablespoon of seeds. Um, it might be, you might already have some fatty fish on your plate from your protein. So then you might add, you know, a nice drizzle of olive oil, it might be a portion of olives. Um, so that's what you're looking for. You're looking for fat, a small amount of complex carbs, lots of low starchy veggies, and protein with each meal. So that's kind of the initial approach to eating for endometriosis and sort of the, the backbone of everyone, every kind of nutritionist and dietitian and health coach might have a slightly different way they do it, but they're all generally based on anti-inflammatory um, hormone balance in diets and they might just have a couple of tweaks, but they're, they're essentially the same and then they're gonna be tailored to what you need specifically. So I'll never put um, one of my clients on a, you know, really strict certain diet will be tailored to them. You know, they're not all on the same diet. We, we will look at what they need and create a nutrition plan that they need. So does that make sense? I think I'm about to be cut off by Instagram. Um, I've been talking for an hour now. So I'm going to wrap this up. There are so many more questions that I haven't got to. So um, I'm actually doing another live next Thursday night. So I will finish off that live, um, some of those questions then. Um, was this helpful for you guys? Let me know. And just so you guys know, if anyone wants to learn more or interested, obviously you've got my um, podcast, this Endo Life. You've got my website, this Endo Life. I write for Endometriosis News, so my column is called Living With Endo. I write for Endometriosis Net. I don't think I have a column name. I think it's I think it's just my name um so you can have a check out of all of those I release um articles weekly for them weekly podcast episodes 
and obviously my Instagram. And at the moment I have my course Live and Thrive with Endo. The doors close on that on Thursday. So if you want a step-by-step roadmap on how to do this it covers nutrition hormone balance gut health healing structural problems nerve pain signals fatigue all of that if you're interested and you need a little bit more support oh thank you thank you hannah um it was shaved i don't know if that's why you mentioned it like i've i've just not been to the hairdressers in a year as a result of covid so um yeah so the course is um on my website at the moment and you can sign up until thursday and then we kick off with module one on the first and listen out for my podcast because i'll be giving you guys a podcast discount code um it's probably going to be podcast or caps but i don't know yet so um just listen out for that but um the course is 150 pounds for eight the eight week course or 52 pounds 50 a month for three months and then when the discount code is applied it's a hundred pounds or 35 pounds so um you can check all of that out and yeah if you guys need any more questions answered i'll be on another q a on thursday and yeah hopefully doing more of these so i really hope that was helpful for you all and i'll release this as a podcast so you guys can listen back to it okay i hope you guys all have a lovely saturday and um, sorry that I wasn't able to get to everyone's questions, but I wanted to get through people who had submitted first. Um, so hold your questions and bring them to the next one. I think I'm probably going to get cut off now. So I say goodbye. And um, yeah, I hope you have all, all have lovely weekends. Bye. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, Um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, You can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I Um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always if you like this show please rate review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world